Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Gospel-Based Parenting, a biblical study on discipline and discipling. In this book, you will explore what the Bible really says about spanking and how we can discipline our children the biblical way without spanking or punishment. Every chapter includes a list of discussion and application questions to help you reflect on God's word, God's heart, and your own heart as you seek to discipline and disciple your children like Jesus. Buy your copy today. Hello and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. I am your host, Angela Harders, and today I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Miss Sarah Moore. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm super, super excited to have this conversation. I have been looking forward to having you on as a guest for a few months now. Um, So I've been looking forward to this day. And um, for those of you who are not familiar, Sarah is a gentle parenting coach, teacher, author, writer, mom. Um, And we actually both got to share together at a Christian Gentle Parenting Summit that was held in October of 2021. And um, so that was actually how I got connected with Sarah. And little did I know we have so many other things in common, which um, we will get to share about in a little bit. Um, But to get us started, Sarah, can you just share a little bit about you, your family and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So above and beyond all the rest, I'm a mama. So I am going through all these things in real life right alongside you. I basically, I'll get into in a couple of minutes what started me on my gentle parenting journey, but the short version right now is I am a lifelong learner and researcher. If I do something, I want to know the why behind it. So I call myself an armchair neuroscientist. I want to know the brain science. I want to know why this actually makes sense so that when I impart my knowledge to others, they know, oh, this is not just some random lady on the internet sharing her opinion of something. I can always point to the science of anything I share. So as for my family, I talk about how I've got one daughter in heaven and another daughter who is eight years old, who I have the pleasure and privilege of raising here on earth. And it is just a joy to be sharing this walk of parenting with everybody who's listening. Uh, First of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss, um, but I am really excited to hear about all the things that you have learned. I can definitely relate to uh, the phrase you use, being a life learner, and that's definitely one way that I try to describe myself and my family as well, um, because I believe that a huge part of being a homeschooling or world schooling family is that we are life learners, and so I appreciate your commitment to not just sharing opinions, but to sharing facts and research. 
um, and being sure that whatever position that you take is well-researched, well-informed, um, and well-applied. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. And to get us started, can you share a little bit about what inspired you to become a gentle parent? Yeah, absolutely. So quick little fact, I'm actually like 200 years old. So I worked in corporate <laughs> America for about 20 years before I became a parent. So, you know, people look at me and say, oh, well, you know, did you have kids in your early 20s? No, not at all. I was about 40 when I had my daughter. So I had all these years of managing people and learning negotiation skills and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, learning how to deal with other humans. And, the more time passed, the more I realized really it has to be relationship above everything else. There's not another person on the face of the planet who will do what I say just because I told them to do it. If they don't feel connected to me, if they don't feel like, hey, I, I want to do well for her, they're not going to do well for me. So once I actually became a parent, I realized, you know what, it's actually the same thing. How about that? And really the impetus of my peaceful parenting journey specifically began at my daughter's four-month-old checkup. She was just teeny tiny, four-month-old, itty-bitty thing, and all was going well. She was thriving and starting to do the rolling over and all that exciting stuff. And when we walked into the pediatrician's office, he said, just very matter-of-factly, kind of as an aside, by the way, Sarah, if your daughter cries, make sure you don't pick her up. Hmm. And I was really taken aback. And I said, what do you mean don't pick her up? He was like, oh, by this age, they're just manipulating you. So if she cries, just leave her and don't pick her up. And I froze. You know, you talk about brain science, you know, and, and polyvagal theory. We've got fight or flight. We've got faint or freeze. Well, I totally froze. And I went home. But then my fight instinct kicked in and I started getting this fire in my belly, this anger of how dare he tell me not to pick up my child. Of course, I want to pick up my child. Mm -hmm. I lost a baby. There's nothing I want more in life than to pick up this gift that's been imparted to me. I want to pick up my baby. Mm -hmm. So I started researching what's the real answer here. I can't really be just my intuition mm -hmm. and nothing to that. So the more I started researching about, guess what? Yes, you actually should pick up your baby when they're crying and keep showing up for them no matter how old they get. I thought, you know, there are a lot of parents just like me who don't know which way is right. Hmm. So let me just start sharing some information with other parents based on this research that I'm doing in my own parenting journey that says, yes, respond, be gentle, be loving, be compassionate. Mm -hmm. And with that, that was the beginning of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, because I wanted for some other parent someday who's sitting in some random doctor's office, if they heard the same message, oh, don't pick up your baby, I want them to be empowered with the science, with the research to say, actually, that's not right. I'm going to pick up my baby. And here's why. So if I can help just one family out there, my work is done. Well, Sarah, you have helped hundreds of families, maybe even thousands of families um, with the work that you have already done. And you have so many years worth of work ahead of you. So thank you so much for being a powerful voice for research-based and evidence-based parenting. Um, you mentioned something that really kind of caught my attention. You were talking about your intuition. 
And I think that's something that a lot of people talk about, like mother's intuition. And it's something that has always really intrigued me because when, you know, of course, when I had my children, I planned to parent them the same way that I had been parented, which was not gentle at all. Um, but then when I became a mom, it was like instinctually, I knew exactly like you said, if my child's crying, I'm going to want to pick you up. Um, and it was like this advice that we hear from mainstream media or even from you know, maybe the church um, or our pediatricians, which is crazy to me that a pediatrician would recommend that nowadays, um, especially after all the research to the contrary. But when we have all of this, you know, kind of saying the opposite, but then we know in our heart that we have this God-given intuition of the way that we should relate to our children and treat our children with love and gentleness and kindness and care and compassion. Um, it's just really remarkable. And then to be able to see that your intuition was backed up by science, I'm sure that probably felt incredibly affirming for you. Um, and I'm wondering, you said that you had that natural intuition to want to pick up your child. Do you think that that stemmed from the way that you were, that you were raised or did you also have kind of an upbringing that wasn't necessarily gentle, but you realized that your intuition was guiding you in that way? Oh, such a good question. You know, I love quoting Dr. Ross Green on how much is nature and how much is nurture. He says hundred percent nature and hundred percent nurture. So yes, it's absolutely how we were raised, you know, certainly the way that people spoke to us, the way people responded to us or didn't definitely affects who we are and how we absorb learned behavior and perpetuate that forward. Now, by the same token, I also agree it's 100% nurture. We have this innate understanding, this intuition that we're, you know, dancing around here right now. We know what's right. We simply know what's right. And we always do. When we really look at the core of any issue we may face in life, we always, if we're still enough to listen, we always know the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Now the conflict comes up when the information doesn't match. Yes. So I firmly believe that every parent on the planet is by nature gentle. Because every single one of us has an inner child that longed to be treated gently, mm -hmm. longed to be picked up and soothed and seen and made to feel secure yeah. in our caregiver's loving presence. So yes, we absolutely want that. And we know that that's what feels right as a child and therefore to our children. And yet we've got all these lies up here in our heads sometimes. Mm that tell us, no, that's not right. So-and-so on social media said this other thing, or in you know, my case, my daughter's first pediatrician said this other thing. We get all these conflicting messages that effectively lie to us, and they sometimes lead us away from our heart's truth. Hmm. So, yes, it was absolutely my upbringing. I had components of my upbringing that were very gentle. I also had the opposite. So definitely situational, definitely depended on the parent and a whole lot of other factors going on. But at the end of the day, I really want every parent and every caregiver out there to just reach into your inner child's heart and say, what is it you needed? Mm. The answer you get is, well, I deserved that punishment or I deserved whatever. Did you really? Or were you just doing the best you could with the tools you had at the time? Yeah. What would happen if your parent or caregiver would have leaned into you and said, let me help you with that? 
let me show you another way. Let me, let me support you lovingly. Mm. What would that have felt like to little you? And I've never met a parent who's come back and said anything other than I just need more love. And oftentimes tears start coming, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so telling, you know, you talk about our inner child and you're absolutely right. I feel like such a huge part of parenting is not parenting my child, but parenting my inner child that you mentioned and really healing a lot of those wounds and being able to ask myself those questions that you just said of, you know, if I was a child, what would I have needed in that moment? Or how would I have wanted my parent to respond in that moment? And being able to have that, you know, self-reflection is so, so important in helping us to grow, to be the kind of parents that we want to be. Um, when you're talking with parents about, about their inner child, how are, what are some ways that you can, or I guess some tips or strategies that you have for parents that are needing to do kind of that inner healing work from their own personal upbringing as they're trying to raise their own children? Because I know that is a huge, huge challenge for people that want to be gentle parents, but are struggling with all the other stuff from their own upbringing. How, how can we, how can we balance that? Yeah. First of all, if this is you, whoever you are listening to this or watching this right now, just wrap yourself in a great big blanket of love right now. That's what I'm putting around you because this feels like such vulnerable territory for so many of us. So I want to, first of all, acknowledge that and say, find something to ground yourself, wiggle your toes, take some deep breaths, find peace with us. Even if you need to pause this for a moment and figure out how do you ground yourself while you listen to this, because it can be triggering when we're thinking about our families of origin. So with that, a little bit of science for you. We all have what are called limiting beliefs. These are beliefs about ourselves that do not serve us or serve our relationships with our children. We form our limiting beliefs between the ages of two and seven years old. Hmm. Everything we still believe as an adult about our worth, about our value, about our willingness and, you know, the level to which we deserved being shown up for was formed between ages two and seven. So think back to that general time frame. Think about how you were parented, how you were treated by teachers, by peers, by, you know, whoever was primarily in your life at that stage, did they make you feel like you mattered? Did they make you feel like you were worthy of love? Did they make you feel like you deserved punishment? Did they make you feel like you were only good enough unless you behaved a certain way? Mm. Was praise tied to your achievements? or to your beingness? There are so many questions I could go on and on and on, but oftentimes what it comes down to is the simple question, am I worthy? Hmm. Have I ever been worthy? And the lies up here will tell us, nope, I'm not. I don't deserve to be treated with love and compassion. I don't deserve to you know, be honored in my relationship with my children because I never deserved it in the first place. And, you know, there are, again, lots of different spins, lots of different words that might resonate more with individual listeners or watch or viewers here. But oftentimes this is a good catch-all question that we can come back to because oftentimes if we don't feel like we really deserved unconditional, 
forever and ever eternal permanent love no questions asked we have a really hard time sharing that with our kids mm. so the first thing we need to do is and this is a visualization exercise i do with a lot of people and I know it's going to sound a little bit weird. Everybody has different versions of this that they try. But something that works really well for me is just imagine yourself, your adult self, right this second, taking little you on your lap. You can probably picture him or her right now. Take little you on your lap. Just be with that child for a little while in their pureness, their, you know, their, their essence of purity, their essence of goodness their essence of wholeness, just breathe into the messages that you really want them to hear. What do you want them to know about their worth? And again, this can be a tear invoking exercise for some people, but it can also be one of the first steps to healing as somebody says, you know what, maybe I did deserve more than I had. Mm-hmm. I can probably still love my parents, even if they didn't give that to me. And we can talk separately about that because that's a whole other dynamic but when we start to heal our inner child we start to heal the relationship we have with our outer children as well Mm. wow Sarah that is that is so powerful and I feel like again as you said if you need to pause this for a moment and just really reflect and take in what Sarah just said and take some time to really again practice that um, visualizing yourself, holding your, your child, your child self. Um, what a, what a powerful, powerful thing. And, um, I'm like, I'm like doing that in my heart right now. (laughs) It's like, it's just, it's, it's really overwhelming, you know, to think about like, I'm going to need a minute. (laughs) Um, thinking about, you know, who we are as children. And there's so many parts from our past, a lot of times that aren't, that just show up in our parenting, I feel like, and that really impact our relationship with our kids. And when I see, a lot of times when I see parents that are screaming at their children or threatening, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to whoop you or whatever, you know, all these other things that, that as gentle parents, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, like it can seem very triggering for someone as a gentle parent to see another parent that's not parenting their child in that way, or even to see myself in the moments when I fail and I scream at my child or do something that I swore I would never do. Um, but to know that in those moments when we are not being the kind of parent that we want to be, so much of that is that inner healing work and really being able to step back and look at who am I, who am I and what aspects of my own inner child are still needing healing and still needing um, comfort and love and grace. Um, because it does, it shows up. And, and it, it's funny because the times when we lose it, I feel like that's the time when we are most acting like a child, you know, that I'm having my adult tantrum of, you know, screaming or being frustrated or, you know, things like that. Like the things that most parents complain about their children, those are kinds of the behaviors that for me as a mom are most upsetting when I exhibit those same behaviors. But really it is like almost acting like I'm having an adult tantrum, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate you just 
taking us kind of through that journey and giving us an opportunity to visualize and, and practice that aspect of visualizing ourselves and as a child. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Well, you know, two quick thoughts. Number one, for you or for anybody else who may be watching or listening to this, when your tears come, I'm going to invite you to let them flow. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes when we were little, when we started to show emotion, we were told, don't cry, you're okay. All of these things that invalidated and dismissed our true authentic emotional experience. So part of reparenting yourself can be, again, if you're a visualizer, visualize it. If you're not, you know, journal it. There are lots of different ways you can do this. Mm -hmm. But what if you hold your inner child, you know, on your lap or whatever situation you're envisioning here and you say, you know what, baby, your tears are safe here. I love you. I love your tears, let them flow. So for anybody who's having that experience, you can write a new narrative around that. Mm. And the other thing I want to normalize is adult tantrums are a very real thing, right? <laughs> so, you know, raise your hand if you're a perfect parent. Okay, my hands just went like hiding in my pockets, right? <laughs> so we all have these moments or sometimes what feel like much longer than moments where we're having these big outbursts. A couple of things are sort of interesting to know about these. Number one is our struggles with our children often mirror the ages or stages where we were struggling with our own parents. Mm. So if we look back and say, you know what, I had a great relationship with my parents up until I was about 10. I'm picking a number out of the air here. But for the sake of discussion here, you can then give yourself a little forewarning and say, you know what, what am I going to need to be a peaceful parent when my child is right around that same age or developmental stage? Because that's not one that I know how to navigate. My history, my emotional blueprint is, oh, my brain says that's a messy time. Mm. We know that we have patterns imprinted in our neural pathways where we just keep doing what we know until we know better or until we know differently. So if we can be proactive and say, you know what? I can anticipate some speed bumps out here. What can I do? What tools do I need to make that go as smoothly as possible? Mm or it may not be specific to an age. Maybe it's, you know what, every night at dinner time, I get more grouchy and I can predict that, you know what, tonight before dinner time, I'm gonna get more grouchy. I'm gonna be frustrated that nobody's coming to the table. That's when my yelling comes out. If we can start to pay attention to our own patterns and figure out when we're most likely to have our adult tantrums, we can get curious about what do I need to be peaceful? And the trick is, it's not, what do I need those people out there, these little people I call my children or my partner, if I have one, it's not, what do I need them to do? What do I need for myself? What do I need to have going on in here mm. so that I can be peaceful no matter what else is going on out there? Because our tantrums are pred predictable, just like little kids who may have missed their nap or whatever. Mm. We're predictable too. That is so true. I, I love that you talk about the fact that being peaceful does not depend on what's happening outside of us, but it really is something that we have that internal like control over, you know, and of course, as a Christian, I believe that our peace ultimately comes from the Lord and from his Holy Spirit. 
um, and actually it reminded me of this, this story that I heard once about, um, you know, this guy was driving in, in traffic and he looked to the right of him and there was this, you know, guy in the car to the right of him. And he was like banging on the horn and all like angry and frustrated because he was sitting in traffic and the guy was, you know, given the bird and screaming in his car. And then he looked to the car to the left of him and the lady is like singing, you know, like singing and blasting her music and like putting on lipstick and doing makeup and they're both sitting in the same environment like they're both in traffic together in this you know but their reaction to it like their internal response and their interpretation of what was happening was completely different and and I really do I mean your your talk just like brought that story back to my mind of like okay I can be in the same environment, but I get to choose if I'm going to be the person that's banging on the horn and, and all upset because I'm sitting in traffic, or if I'm going to be the person that's going to be like, I'm sitting in traffic, I'm going to take advantage of this to put on some great music and put on my lipstick and go, you know? Um, and I truly think as parents, like we really have that choice, like every single day to be able to choose, regardless of the circumstances that are around me, how am I going to respond to, to these circumstances that I'm encountering? something else that you mentioned too that I thought was really cool um you were talking about different strategies and and how like learning different strategies and for me that was one of the most challenging things because when I first started learning about gentle parenting I I, I didn't really know anything about gentle parenting um I kind of stumbled my way into gentle parenting because I was trying to figure out how I could spank my child the way that the Bible says. Um, so that was how I discovered gentle parenting. I realized that the Bible doesn't say that. And, um, and so I was kind of left with this question of, okay, it, if the Bible doesn't, if I don't have a biblical basis for spanking my children, then what am I going to do instead? Um, and, and so I'm wondering how did you learn a lot of these strategies? Because it's great for us to say, oh, I don't want to spank or I don't want to scream or I don't want to punish. But if we don't have any tools to do instead, we're kind of like, you know, in a canoe without a paddle, right? Um, so so we, we need some tools that can, can help us propel us forward in this gentle parenting journey. What were some ways that you learned gentle parenting strategies or if, or if you have any strategies that have particularly stuck out to you that you found were helpful? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind is we know about brain science that we cannot learn in negatives. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't want to yell. I don't want to spank. I don't want to scream. I don't want to whatever. Okay, great. The brain says I don't do that. Well, the brain needs to know what to do. We only create new neural pathways or basically new roadmaps of what we are supposed to do unless we teach our brain. So for example, if I say, I don't want to yell, nice start, what's next? What do I want to do? Okay, I wanna be peaceful. Okay, that's nice, but that's too vague. What does that look like? If I say, I don't want to yell, okay, it means I wanna be peaceful, but that's too broad. So what does peacefulness look like? all right, I want to be that parent who feels connected to my child. I want to be that parent who crouches down to their level and says, come here, sweetheart, let's figure this out together or whatever. But the most important part of this isn't just replacing the negative of what not to do with the positive of what to do. The glue that holds it all together is how do I want this to feel? for myself and for 
for my child. Because we can learn up here in our brains all day, every day, and it will stick exactly 0% if we don't have an emotional connection to it. Mm. We remember things that we care about. That's what makes the new pattern sticky. So when I think about, I want to feel good when I'm with my child. I want to feel proud of the way that I'm raising her. When I go to bed at night, I want to feel happy knowing that I treated her with love. And when I put her to bed, there's just nothing but connection between us. Mm -hmm. Or when we do mess up, because hello, human here, we're going to mess up. Did I make the effort to repair? And again, could have a whole separate conversation about repair, because repair is incredibly powerful. And in fact, we can end up being more connected after repair than if there had never been a bump and a need for repair in the first place. Mm. When I bring it back to how do I want it to feel? Suddenly I'm emotionally invested in the outcome. So I am much more likely to be serious about which to do's I want to do. And then I can get more focused on what do these look like for me as a parent? You know, maybe I need all right, what are my tools? Some of us like proprioceptive input. When we're stressed, we need to know that our bodies are safe. So maybe I need to give myself a great big bear hug and say, you know what, I'm safe. Some of us immediately go straight to prayer and say, God, help me. I need a moment and I don't know what to do. This is so messy and I want to scream. But when I think of you, I'm pretty sure you never screamed at anybody, God. And I'm pretty sure you definitely never screamed at a child. Can you please be here with me and help me handle this? Not all of us do that. Some of us just go, you know what? I need to go outside and breathe fresh air for a second. There are physiological benefits. We go outside and scientifically speaking, our blood pressure lowers. The second we go outside and all we did was go outside. Even if we take our anger outside with us, we're just outside (laughs) and our blood pressure goes down. I've got one tons and tons and tons of resources about staying peaceful in the moment. I've got many courses. I've got, you know, lots of stuff that people can look at. But find your thing when you need to pause and decide what you want to do to create an emotional anchor to the behavior you want to see in yourself before you can even dream of influencing the behavior you want to see in your children. Hmm. But come back to your why, come back to your positive language and come back to your emotional connection. And that's the best advice I can give in a short period of time here. (laughs) That's wonderful. And I know you have um, released many, many, many courses on your website. And I will make sure that I include the link for your website. So if you're interested in learning some of those strategies, like specific strategies that Sarah has, she has some incredible, incredible resources um, for you on her website, Dandelion Seed. It's Dandelion Dash Seeds, right? Yep. Dandelion Seeds with a hyphen in between. Yep. Dandelion-seeds.com. Awesome. And so again, I'll make sure that I include that in the description for you. Um, One of the things also that I really appreciate about you is that when I asked you about how you started your gentle parenting journey, you mentioned that it started when your child was four months old, um, which is really interesting. And for a lot of people that are are listening, if you're not familiar, um, usually when we talk about that age of life, when we're talking about infants and babies, we most often refer to that as attachment parenting. Um, and then of course, as children typically get older, um, and I feel like it, it kind of shifts into that more gentle parenting approach when we're dealing more with punishment and, um, 
you know, when they're getting their own personalities and trying to figure out how to discipline or whatever, all those kinds of things um, as they get older. And, and I definitely could relate to that. I started out as an attachment parent, um, which again, morphed into gentle parenting. When my daughter was around 11 months old, I started exploring gentle parenting more. And then as my daughter reached school age, I really tried to start thinking about how can I apply these gentle parenting principles, these attachment parenting principles that you mentioned of connection, respect, care, compassion, empathy, love, um, feeling secure, all of those things. How can I apply those principles when it comes to my child's education? Because she's about ready to go to school. So what do we do? Um, and actually that was what um, inspired me to be a homeschooling mom or a peaceful world schooling mom. And um, I know that you also made the decision to homeschool. And I would love to learn more about what inspired you and your family to homeschool or world school. Absolutely. Yeah. So we did not plan on homeschooling or world schooling at all. I am a product of the public school system. And except for the parts I hated, I loved it. You know, that's my fair answer. There, there were parts that were horrendous and there were parts that I absolutely loved. I really liked the academic part. Mm -hmm. I was fairly good at the academic part, but it's not the same world as when I grew up. Yeah. And the more I started studying what, you know, and talking to even teacher friends, you know, what's going on in schools today, I started having some questions about whether that would really be the right path for us. Now, at this point, my husband was not on board and he still was like, no, of course we're sending her to school. Everybody goes to school, right? Well, no, not everybody goes to school, but that was his upbringing and his belief system. Yeah. Now, more importantly than any of the research, any of the conversations I had, number one tip I have for other parents out there, and it, it was what was true for me, as I looked at my child hmm. and I said, where does she thrive? Okay, we've been going to co-ops since she was two. So it's not just that she's an only child and she's not socialized or what have you. I've been putting her around other children since, you know, as, as soon as she was learning to talk. But she made it very clear very early that she doesn't thrive in big group settings. Mm. Additionally, she doesn't thrive when being made to perform a task. If mm. anything, she will regress and pull back and push back when being made to perform a particular task, especially if it is done in a competitive way. Mm. Well, when I think about what school is, okay, big group setting, lots of competition. What grade did you get? How did you do? Are you keeping up? People in your face all the time. Did you do this? Did you do this assignment? You know what? If you didn't do this assignment, even if you did the other 400 assignments that were due today, I'm going to call you out because this one you didn't do. I looked at my child and thought, this is not a good setup for her. Mm -hmm. Now, to be clear, I have incredible respect admiration for and gratitude for everybody who works in education and I know there are phenomenal teachers and phenomenal schools I also know there are tons of schools that focus extensively on social emotional education and all these things I strongly still support the school system for a lot of children my child 
it wasn't a match. Hmm. I had to really look at the child in front of me and say, you know what, hold on. I'm also aware that we get exactly one life on planet earth. And just because somebody has written out the recipe of what life is supposed to look like, guess what? I'm pretty sure I already messed up that recipe when I was like in my early twenties, I did not follow the path that everybody thought I should. Hmm. And I noticed for myself, especially in my early twenties, I wasn't all that happy because I was doing what everybody else wanted me to do rather than being true to my authentic real self. Mm-hmm. So let's sit back, let's look at the life we want and let's make that. So, you know, God has interesting timing, but the timing was such that my, you know, I had left my corporate job shortly after my daughter was born. My husband actually lost his job right when we were kind of at an impasse of wondering what we were gonna do next. And we said, you know what, God, we're gonna trust you with this for a while. We've got a severance package. We've been saving up. We've been diligent. Let's try world schooling for a while. And we will both find jobs that we can work online where we can still have the income that we need. However, we can have the life in the big picture, the life that we want. Mm. My daughter is thriving. My daughter loves it. Yes, she has friends. Yes, she learns. But learning doesn't just mean how to do on the test. Learning is so much more expansive than that. And that feels so much better in my mama heart. (laughs) I love that. That is so beautiful. And I really appreciate you being reflective on who your daughter is as an individual and being able to to notice um, those areas where she really thrives in and then being able to analyze the school system. So many of the things that you said I I could really resonate with um, because I actually published a book Uh, uh, not too long ago called Tales of a Toxic Teacher about my own experience in the public school system as a public school teacher. And then also being able to share a lot of the cycles of abuse that most parents aren't aware of or don't even really think about or consider. And you mentioned that aspect of competition. Um, And there's a book, actually, Alfie Cohn wrote a book um, called Punished by Rewards. I'm not sure if you've read that one. Have, Have you read that one yet? Of course, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's wonderful. And so that book, I'm actually working my way through it now. Um, I'm in the middle of that one. And, you know, things like what he has to say about like competition and the impact of competition on on learning and our love of learning is just so powerful. And it really is, again, going back to the science behind these things, we know that competition is really harmful for creating positive, you know, intrinsic motivations when it comes to learning and that instead we should focus on cooperation and things like that rather than competition against one another. Um, But yeah, so if you have not got his book, um, again, that is Punished by Rewards. I'll make sure I include that in the show notes so you can check that one out. And also feel free to check out my book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, where I also go into a lot of those different aspects of the school system based on my experience as a public school teacher. Um, And hopefully that will inspire you to be able to look at the school system honestly and see what is really happening in the public school system and see if that is an environment where you would want to have your children be. And if not, you can do exactly what Sarah did, which is to create an environment that was meant for her to thrive based on her unique individual God-given personality and her unique talents and gifts and passions and being able to have a nurturing space for her to be the, the person that God has called her to be. So thank you so much for doing that, Sarah. That's wonderful. 
And um, one more, may I suggest another book? For people yes, well? yes, please. Another one that I really like is The Why Behind Classroom Behaviors. Hmm. So if somebody is listening to this one, it's fairly new out last year or so. Um, if somebody is listening and saying, well, I can't homeschool or world school, my child has to go to public school or private school. This book, The Why Behind Classroom Behaviors, written by two lovely women who work at the Center for Connection with Tina Payne Bryson, who many of us know from her work, as well as her work with Dr. Daniel J. Siegel. These are all really good names in the gentle parenting world. And they are empowering teachers through their book, The Why Behind Classroom Behaviors, to look at what really can motivate children, what sort of sensory needs they might have. There's also a sensory book that they wrote that's equally good. Um, but they're really looking at making connection-based relationships within the classroom to help heal from a lot of these toxic old patterns as well. So that's another really good one to check out. Awesome. Thank you for that recommendation. I, again, I will make sure that I include all of these recommendations um, for different resources in the show notes. So you can feel free to check out all of these and, and they can definitely help you support you in your own personal learning and growth, as well as um, as you seek to parent and educate your children. Um, and you mentioned that you all are world schoolers. As you know, the name of my, my podcast is the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. And so I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to you to be a peaceful world schooler? Ah, such a good question. I love this one. So <laughs> as I'm sure some people know from having listened to your podcast before, you know, world schooling is where you basically take school on the road. For us, it looks a lot more like unschooling while we're traveling because, for example, while we're in France, guess what? My daughter's learning French because she's hearing it all the time. And, you know, there's so much learning to be had by going to the museums and by living day-to-day -day life there that that has been a wonderful, wonderful teacher for my child, not just in France, but wherever we go. So it's definitely learning by what's available in the world to learn. But the peaceful part of it for us is where can we help spread peace and joy and love everywhere we go? Can we literally leave? I know it sounds cliche, but can we leave every place we go better than when we found it? Mm. Not necessarily by, hey, I'm here to fix you because who would want that, right? But <laughs> have I shown love? Have I shown compassion? Have I shown grace to the people around me? So, you know, there are lots and lots of books about the so-called ugly American. I want to be the antithesis to that. I want to be, you know what, here are people who are doing something differently and it feels good to be around them. Why is this? And that opens the door to all sorts of wonderful conversations. That's awesome. And I know we were talking before we started recording about the aspect of world schooling, of course, now due to COVID, um, I'm, we're not traveling right now. And I know you guys are also back in the United States. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I've really been challenged to consider is that, of course, my heart is to be able to travel the world, just like, you know, you mentioned being able to go to France and learn French and um, being able to learn about history from actually being in all these other places. And, um, but, you know, for the moment, we're here in the United States. Um, but I, I've really tried to consider 
that being a world schooler is not so much about where I am in the world. Um, like I have to be in another country in order to be a world schooler. And I really tried to master the art of being a peaceful world schooler exactly where I am. Um, and so for us, that looks like, again, we're all, we also do unschooling, um, although I'm not a fan of the term <laughs> um, unschooling, which is why I like to call us peaceful world schoolers. But um, it, for us, that looks like, you know, being able to explore the historic sites that are here in Washington, D.C., where we live, um, and then also to be able to just find the learning that we're doing naturally wherever we are, whether that's on a hike in our, you know, neighborhood or, um you know, going to a co-op with our friends or in whatever that might be. Um, and so I'm wondering what does world schooling look like for you now that you are um, not traveling the world like what you're used to? Yeah, that's a good question too. Yeah, we are like um, micro schooling. What would you call it? Like, <laughs> let, let me show you how many, how many, from how many different angles can I show you this plant that's next to me? Because that's pretty much what Yeah, there's, there's not a lot to see within these four walls. But <laughs> are hunkering down it's just the right thing to do for now and so be it so um like you we still call ourselves world schoolers knowing that that is a term that gives me hope that we will be able to travel again at some point mm -hmm. but my job right now is to be a good neighbor to be kind to be compassionate to show love to those around me even if it's wearing a mask and from across the street with a wave all good you know how can i show love in my community how can i learn by digging in the dirt by climbing a mountain. I'm in Colorado, you know, but by climbing a mountain, I mean like, you know, 20 steps up. I'm not a big mountain climber. <laughs> what can we do just to learn by our surroundings? Because I do realize the privilege that is built into this world schooling con you know, concept. Mm -hmm. We can all be connected to each other. We can all learn at our own pace, whatever it may be, in ways that feel good and add love to the world. And that is the most important education of all, in my opinion. For sure. I think a lot of times we, when we think about educating our children, it's so tempting to just focus on the academics and especially like the reading and math. That's, I find that most parents are really, really worried about their kids being able to do reading and math. Um, but I think ultimately exactly what you said, the most important education that we could ever pass along to our children is to teach them how to love the way that God has loved us and to teach them how to be kind and how to be gentle with others, how to build positive, connected, loving relationships with the people that happen to cross our path, um, wherever that might be in the world. So I thank you so much for, for bringing that to our attention. Um, and as we are about to wrap up, I would like to ask you also, what is the most challenging aspect of being a gentle parent or a peaceful world schooler? Ooh, let me think about that one. I love that question. Um, my heart is always in the right place. My brain sometimes forgets, right? Very human here. So sometimes I catch myself being not peaceful. And the thing is, I'm actually pretty good at repair with my child. Mm pretty much nailed that because I have so much darn practice with it, right? I have messed up so consistently. In fact, I'm writing a book. I'm just about to release it. And when I told my daughter that I'm writing this book, her first question legitimately was, oh, is it about how to make mistakes? Because you're so good at that. <laughs> now, as it turns out, it's not actually about how to make mistakes. That's a different topic. And I probably could write a book about that. But I think the most challenging thing for me isn't how to repair with her 
it's how to repair with myself. Mm. I am really, really hard on myself because, hey, I know better, therefore I should do better. Instead, the real way to reframe that is I know better and I'm still human and I'm still going to keep messing up. Yeah. So when I mess up, my job is to repair. And I also, you know, thanks to God for being the model of how to do this, there's forgiveness. But sometimes even though he can forgive me, even though my daughter can forgive me, even though my husband can forgive me, I have a heck of a time forgiving myself for not being this version of myself that I want to be all the time. That's my biggest challenge personally. So when I can lean into self-compassion, self-acceptance, all of the things that are contradicting those limiting beliefs that I talked about earlier, because I carry them too, that's where my disconnect is. So my job is to continue to be kind to myself so that I keep staying motivated to show up not only for my child, but also for myself, because little me heals a little bit every time I'm gentle with my own child. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you mentioned that you are about to release a book. Can you please tell us a little bit more? Give us the inside scoop. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Let me think, what can I share? Um, I actually, I was, I was 100% sure that I had the title nailed for like months and months. And finally, two days ago, somebody was like, have you thought about this for a title? And now I'm just discombobulated. Okay. So do you share both of them just <laughs> I'm going to hold off on sharing the title just because okay. if somebody else ends up naming a book by the other title, then I'll be recommending that book. But <laughs> effectively what it's going to be is peaceful parenting and storytelling, brain science, and better behavior. So mm -hmm. you will be able to Google my name, Sarah R. Moore, middle initial R, because there are, of course, a billion Sarah Moores in the world, <laughs> or anything Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. And as soon as it is out there, I'll have links to the book everywhere I can put it. Awesome. That would be so great. And then do you have a release date yet for your book? Nope, I don't. I'll keep nope. it posted. Okay, awesome. Um, well, I will d definitely make sure that I share the, the name and the link where you can purchase Sarah's book. Sarah is an absolute gem with a wealth of information and experience and information, inspiration, all of it uh, to be able to offer the peaceful parenting and peaceful world schooling community. Um, so thank you so very much, Sarah, for putting in the work to, to put it all in a book. Um, I, I know for me, that was one of the, I feel like it was one of the greatest achievements of my life to be able to take um, the knowledge that God had given me and my wisdom and, and, and the things that I felt like God was sharing with me and to be able to have that in a book to be able to share with the world. So thank you for doing that. And I'm really, really excited to being able to read your book. Thank you so much. And thank you for hosting this and for being a vehicle that people can find to get on the you know peaceful parenting path along with us. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. All right. So before we go, I always like to close by asking people if you could give one piece of advice to, um, to the people that are listening today, whether that be about gentle parenting, attachment parenting, peaceful parenting, peaceful world schooling, any of the things that we talked about today, what would that one piece of advice be? Uh, eat more cookies, eat more chocolate. I don't know. Um, <laughs> a real answer, although you're welcome to take that advice too. Um, just slow down and be with yourself, with your child. Don't worry so much about that big next thing because this very moment is the next big thing. This is what matters right here, right now. So 
hold your babies, hold your inner baby, your inner child, and just be together and enjoy. That is so beautiful. Thank you so very much, Sarah. And um, oh, and again, sorry, one last thing. Um, if people are wanting to connect with you, what is the best way that people can can connect with you? I know you, we mentioned your website, dandelion-seeds.com. Um, what about other ways? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? Can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. I am on, let's see, Facebook, Pinterest, um, Twitter, and YouTube as Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. I'm on Instagram as Dandelion Seeds Positive Living because parenting wouldn't fit. So Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting everywhere except Instagram, Dandelion Seeds Positive Living. Okay. And I'm super curious, what made you come up with the name Dandelion Seeds? Oh, okay. So short answer, a couple of things. Number one, at the time I was naming the website, dandelions were my daughter's favorite flower. Um, number two, you know, obviously they symbolize wishes and we all have wishes for our children. And third reason, there is a concept of the dandelion child versus the orchid child. The dandelion child can thrive anywhere. Like life is good. I can handle this. I've got this mama. Things are fantastic. The orchid child needs more tender loving care, needs more, you know, it's typically more sensitive children. And dandelion seeds are basically how can we plant these seeds of confidence and resiliency and strength in our orchid children so that every child can thrive. That is so beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. That is super, super cool. All right. Um, and to all of our listeners, I also want to thank each of you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope and pray that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. And please make sure that you check out the links in the description um, so that you can get connected with Sarah and the amazing, amazing work that she's doing. As I mentioned, she has like a hundred courses. I feel like, I mean, she has so many courses available on her website, as well as blog articles and books, um, and an upcoming book, which we will soon find out about. And I will be sure to share with you as soon as I know. Um, so again, please feel free to get connected with Sarah and she will be an incredible, incredible resource for you. Oh, one last thing I also wanted to share as a resource. Um, so Sarah is actually, um, the new admin for the group uh, what is the name now? Sorry. It's gentle parenting community. On okay. Facebook. Awesome. So if you, um, just go on Facebook and look for gentle parenting community, there is a group. Um, I want to say it has almost 2000 members in it now. And, um, so that is an um, incredible, incredible group. Um, you do not have to be a Christian to be in that group. Um, so they are very welcoming and open to people of all faiths that have a desire to practice gentle parenting. So if that is you, please make sure that you get connected in that group that is gentle parenting community. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, again, feel free to check out my website as well, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. I deeply appreciate all of all that you could do to support me and the work that I am doing. So please make sure that you share this episode with your family and friends. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.